0: What a kid is, is someone who's just playing with who they are and where they fit in the world. And unfortunately, the kids who don't have access to resources and are not uh, supported in uh, in their community, um, they're just worried about survival.
1: This is No Such Thing, a podcast about the promise and reality of learning with technology. I'm Mark Lesser. When I first showed up at Beam Center to do this series of interviews, I walked into the center and there's no fancy reception area or person greeting you. You really just happen into a working sort of shop space. And I knew it would be a quiet week. It was the first week of school. So, uh, and it was the middle of the day. So I didn't expect to see lots happening in the shop. In the back of the shop, there was one lone young person who I came to meet. His name is Felipe Castillo. And he was, he had his bike sort of parked against the shop table, and he had a bunch of hardware spread out on the table. And he was tinkering with a bunch of parts that he was making into, um, some side panel bags uh, or paneers uh, for the back of his bike, and a, um, a little case for the front handlebars where he could store uh, odds and ends while he rode. And he the, the front case that he was putting together was upcycled from an old speaker, sort of the casing of an old speaker. And in that moment, I was so thrilled, not just to find a young person there who is as uh, into and geeked out about making something out of nothing as I am, to see somebody who I have no doubt when Brian and his co-founder Danny put this space together, Beam Center in Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn, they had that exact young person in mind that this would be a place where young people could come together and they could know the sights and smells of the workshop and they could see how their digital world of ones and zeros is connected to the digital world of uh, their two hands And it's such a powerful space. I feel so lucky to spend some time there as an educator in New York who does a little bit of work with Beam Center. Brian Cohen is somebody who I've known for a few years now. I admire him very much. He's the type of person who has very low tolerance for lots of talk and little action. And that inspires me. I really hope you enjoy the interview as much as I did. Without further ado, check out my interview with Brian Cohen. Tell me a little bit about the history of Beam Center and uh, how we came to be sitting here in this amazing space in Brooklyn.
0: Uh, well, like everything else having to do with Beam, uh, it, we, we just followed our instincts and, and ended up in the right place. Uh, but the, the history of Beam Center starts um, well, probably starts uh, somewhere in the late 70s where I went to uh, sleepaway camp. And um had a had a formative experience in the forest of Pennsylvania um, playing music uh, with with uh, professional musicians who who did not uh, work with me as if I was a their student, but as a, a peer who they were you know sharing their passion with and, and collaborating with. And uh, really from that point on, I had a fixed idea that I I wanted to uh, rep create that kind of experience for for other kids um and so uh at um in the early 2000s uh my partner Danny and I um got the spent some time thinking about what kind of experience we would want to create a, in a summer camp um and uh so we uh were looking to solve a couple problems one was uh to um, give kids who were being raised for really as the first generation of, of, to be, uh, surrounded by the ever-present screen, uh, to, to, to show them what lied behind the perfection of those screens. Um, and, um, in doing that to, uh, have them understand what real collaboration feels like and looks like. Um, and our, our way of getting to that was to, um, design or or to curate projects, large-scale building projects, physical projects that uh, the the campers would help to build. Um, And that became sort of the foundation of Beam Camp. And, um, you know, along with learning how to run a sleepaway camp, we also started to um, learn or to watch what the value of... um, this kind of collaborative building where kids were learning skills um, and learning um, the principles behind ideas uh, and sort of f- finishing this, these spectacular projects. Um, so uh, in 2011, we decided to try to find a place for that kind of experience uh, in a school year context. Uh, so in 2012, we founded Beam Center, um and we, really with not not a real clear idea of how that was going to happen uh, but we were fortunate uh, to be visited one day um in our space in Brooklyn by uh someone who worked for the DOE in the office of post secondary readiness who described uh a, an, an initiative called Digital Ready which sounded a lot like um a uh, a teen apprenticeship program that we had just piloted mm. um and um they for, we, we, they sort of got us plugged in with uh, a school called Brooklyn International High School. Uh, this was in 2013, and uh, from there we kind of started to find our way mm. um, and un- starting started to think less about or not. In addition to thinking about like spectacular results and products, um, to think about learning objectives and and understand how that kind of, uh, making of things fits into, a, you know, a context like a school that is, is more oriented towards, uh, specific learning goals. Mm. Um, and, um, and so here we are in 2017, uh, and, um, we have, we've made a lot of mistakes and, and experimented in a lot of different directions, but we now work with 23 schools and, um, we, uh, um, we make projects uh, in, in most of them uh, by collaborating with teachers, uh, very, very much like we collaborated with uh, those uh, designers who designed our camp projects, uh, but where we are, we are the experts in, in, in making things and, and they are the experts in what their uh, goals are for their students. Mm. Um, and there's, in addition to sort of the tangible out projects that, that come about from those collaborations... Um, the the byproducts are probably just as important because they create learning environments that are collaborative uh, and where students who are all uniquely um, able uh, are able to contribute to those projects in the way that um, emphasizes their strengths and 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 that that is what really we feel is the value that we're bringing into the classroom context.
1: You mentioned this connection to your, your history at, at camp. Mm -hmm. And, uh, this episode in part is about, um, and, and really a lot of the focus of this podcast is about how programs like yours, uh, and places like yours impact young people's identity. And, um, the thing you mentioned about camp, uh, you know, strikes me in that it seems like it was a, a very formative moment for you uh, that you had this opportunity to uh, be in an environment with professionals uh, who, uh, in in your case, in in the music context, probably sounded amazing. We're doing amazing things. We're cool, yeah. um, and and that transform something for you. Um, what is it that you hope when you think about beam center, uh, the impact is on young people like doves identity, uh, and, and how they see the world around them and, uh, their, their experience as learners. Um, what, what are the things you hope they come out with?
0: Well, I, I, I hope that they experience, they, they, they experience the same kind of luxury uh, to experiment, to try on identities, to uh, be wrong, to be right, to be celebrated, to be humiliated. Uh, The same luxury that I had. Um, I I believe it's a child's right. I think, um, you know, we talk a lot about access that's measured in economic terms. Um, I I think what um, affluence uh, actually affords um, is the is the the space to be a kid and to f- fantasize about what you want to do, and um, and it also affords a guide who is not a teacher, um, and um, and I and I and I guess what we want. To these these kids to feel is like they have a guide, and they have somebody they can draw on, um, someone who is not there to um, grade them, um, but someone who is there to offer resources and potential futures and potential um, directions that are guided primarily from their the the students own. You know, imagination, fantasy, uh, research, whatever it is. You know, um, we 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 often talk about students as if, you know, and you know this thing in Chicago where they they want every high school student to have a plan before they're allowed to graduate. Mm. Um, that's that is absolute fantasy fiction. Uh, no one uh, has that plan. No one, not not the kid who's going to Harvard, not the kid who's growing up with all the richest resources possible. Um, We've created a fiction of what, uh, you know, a kid is supposed to be like when they're a teenager. Um, What a kid is, is someone who is just playing with who they are and where they fit in the world. And unfortunately, the kids who don't have access to resources and are not uh, supported in uh, in their community, um, they're just worried about survival. And they don't have the opportunity to play around. Uh, And and unfortunately, in many communities, playing around looks like uh, some dangerous activity. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, we want to be able to give kids the opportunity to play around and play on and try on different things. Um, In our case, the the context that we want to do that in is with making things. Um, I think I strayed from you. No, you... (laughs) you. you hit it uh you hit it beautifully right.
1: there is so much language out there for this work mm-hmm. uh stem and steam and creative computing mm. And physical computing and... Computational thinking. Computational thinking. And, uh, (laughs) you know, there's a world of now uh, that's very focused on computer science education. And um, I I guess the good news is that the world, the field of education, uh, is having new conversations and certainly realizes that um, there is a future... And a present, even, that they need to be in touch with, uh, and that we're not entirely there in terms of equipping young people with the kind of skills and tools that they need.
0: Or teachers.
1: Or teachers, (laughs) which is a great point. (laughs) Um, So my question is, um, what's your message to educators who are coming into this space, whether it's in in schools or... Uh, As mentors or after school professionals, uh, what's your advice to them as they try to determine what is signal and what is noise? Right.
0: Wow. (laughs) Um, You've said it so well. Uh, I, I think, you know, there is a tendency. And, and we've certainly been guilty of this uh, in varying ways, there's a tendency to project your own experiences on onto um, what you think is most useful for other people. You know, like, well, I grew up in this way, and therefore uh, these kids should be doing it this way. Uh, what's funny is that, What's happening now, what's been happening, is that people are doing that in the reverse. So very successful people, uh, tech, technology entrepreneurs, for instance, uh, very wealthy ones, are, are who, who have innovated um, in a particular way, they look back on their education and they say, well, I didn't learn how to f- invent this app or this thing in school, therefore school was wrong. Mm and uh, and so i'm going to um i'm going to uh, create what only existed in my head that to, to that i taught myself how to do and um and and recommend that and and support that financially for everybody um, the the problem with that is that um they they are um they are mistaking their own brain for what um, could be useful, at, you know, sort of institutionally for, for other people. Um, and so I guess what I'm saying is that you have to be very careful about thinking that you have the answer um, and saying, you know, oh, well, you know, this learning how to program was very useful to me. Therefore, I need to teach other people how to program. I think the question is more like, um, and this is the way we approach teachers and schools is, this is what we what we know how to do. This is what we like doing. This is what we love doing. This is the things that we love to make. How could those things be useful to you? Like how how can you imagine that the things that we do um, would help you get your job done? Um, and And in the case of most people we're talking to, it's their job is to help Students grow and evolve and learn. Um, and so I would say, you know, I, I often tell this to people who, you know, have an idea to do a particular thing in terms of, you know, an after school program or, a, or, or working with schools is like, is like work on what you love and then work on a way of articulating what you love to the people who you want to work with. Don't um, sell it to them as if it's an answer. Um, sell it to them as if it's something that they can um, be inspired by and take advantage of um, and and collab and collab- and welcome them into your work mm. don't um, uh, don't um, prescribe th- th- your work to them as if it was the medicine that was going to cure their problem mm. um, because the challenges of, Education are are ones that can only be solved collaboratively. Um, parenting, uh, school these are they're they're like making movies. No one person makes a movie for at least for the most part. Um, and 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 a kid creating a, a life experience for a child has to be. Um, um, Truly collaborative, with of involving people of many different expertise,s. Um, so, I, I guess I'm, I'm I'm taking a long way of saying, making making a long trip to say that um, you have to you have to. I I I always recommend um, offering yourself to a community Mm. rather than uh, rather than offering your solution to a community Mm. and, and, and just, you know, uh, be ready to learn as much as you are offering to teach. Um, I don't know that, I probably could give that answer all over again.
1: (laughs) No, I think, I think what you said, uh, is so powerful and, Mm. and, uh, is one of the many reasons I love this place. Right. Um, yeah, well. I so the the title of this podcast is mm-hmm. no such thing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason for that is, and it it sort of uh, is dawning on me even mm-hmm. more as you and I talk mm-hmm. is, you, you know, you said this thing about. Uh, when when we approach uh, learning environments and want to bring to those learning environments the things we love mm-hmm. and and share them with other educators and right. share them with young people mm-hmm. uh, or uh, or our peers or older people who we want to we want to bring along mm-hmm. in that journey, um, it's so tempting to offer those things as an answer, and I think we do it too much as a system. Mm-hmm. Um, when it can be really liberating. Um, to realize that there is no such thing as an answer when it comes to uh, solving the problems of education is one thing, but mm-hmm. solving the problems of how do we create equity in the really beautiful but basic description that you just made of mm-hmm. what it is to be a young person right. in this world. we yeah. should It should be uh, our right as a human to have the kinds of things that... Uh, you just described so yeah. i love the way you just said yeah. what oh. you said thanks um my last question for you um and i
0: and you like how i avoided talking down stem <laughs> yes <laughs> yes of course and and on a, in another episode we will uh <laughs> we'll talk a little bit about uh
1: you know uh, about why yeah um yeah, yeah. and and uh, what it means to run a, a nonprofit this way and in this climate, mm-hmm. and uh, right. so so my favorite you.
0: my favorite author uh, who I follow on Twitter, uh, Nicholson Baker. I don't know if you know Nicholson mm-hmm. Baker. He wrote he wrote the the sex book that uh, Monica Lewinsky gave Bill Clinton, <laughs> uh, Vox. But he, and he's written several pornographic books, but he's also written some other incredible incredible books of, yeah. that are really examine uh, mainly the male brain, but um. I I and he doesn't really know how to use Twitter and he's trying to figure it out. Right. Um, and it's very funny to watch him do it. But he retweeted an article about oh he and his most recent book was called Substitute. It was seven hundred pages. Each chapter is one day of him substitute teaching in Maine. Oh my God. And, and it is it, it's an it's it's an incredible book. I mean, it's a slog, but you have to. It's amazing. But anyway, right. he he retweeted an article about how the STEM hoax, oh. the, the STEM job hoax yeah how it's you know like the no research says actually we're pretty good on jobs for related to stem there's no you know deficit yeah it's like it's all a lie great (laughs) anyway
1: well uh i think for another day that topic well it you know uh it's an important one, and I think yeah. especially for educators who are approaching this work, I think that there is absolutely a narrative out there about um, where where the issues uh, are, mm-hmm. and equity is certainly one of them. Yeah. By if we're going by the data and and um, the sort of hard facts that matter, uh, there's a whole you know set of research that would imply, like you're saying, that um, the idea that there are millions of unfilled jobs should we not uh, prepare this generation Mm -hmm. for them, uh, you know, might have some, some significant holes. (laughs) Yeah. So, so zooming out, what do you think the success of beam center and the kind of project focus pedagogy that we Mm -hmm. talked about uh, means for our ability to solve problems in the world as it is right now?
0: Oh, wow. That's a big one. Um, You know, I think, I think the, the, the problem in the world as we know it right now is are the problems that have been unresolved for hundreds of years. Um, and uh, one can hope what we're seeing is a crescendo of, of um, sort of stress and tension around those problems. Um, you know, we thought that um, straight up, uh, white supremacy was a thing of the past. Actually, we didn't think that, but we thought that at least it was underground enough that it would it would bury itself forever, uh, or had buried itself forever. But of course that that is simply not true. Um, but um, I think we we see making projects as the place where, Individual expression, collaborative effort, collective effort, and um, knowledge comes together. Um, and the, what I've just that the thing that I've just described is is American, you know the the and I guess I'm I, I've, I'm taking your question to to mean American problems mm-hmm. because. We got them, but um, it's creativity, it's working together, and it's applying knowledge. Um, America is great because we have done those things, and the fact of the matter is, though, the people who have done those things come from varied backgrounds, experiences, intelligences, uh, capacities, capabilities, and um, the and and. And I feel that if those kinds of different expressions of capability are recognized earlier in the schooling process, um, that we will end up with um, people who can appreciate the 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 sort of depth and diversity of what really the American idea is, um, because obviously we we haven't done it yet. Mm. Um, the the you know you you um, it's it's funny that you know infrastructure was the thing that was going to get somebody elected this year, and yet we're not talking about infrastructure at all. But there's a reason why infrastructure was so appealing, because it requires engineers, it requires construction workers it it it, it, it requires designers um, and um, I think what we should be doing is building infrastructure in a classroom mm. um, and um, and you know w- with all those people involved in in building something like that, it makes room for people to appreciate the diversity of, of, of efforts and abilities. Um, so, you know, uh, to, 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 to give you the shorter version, I think that what, what we're trying to do is, is, is creating an opportunity where we are making schools and classrooms where kids get to shine for what they love to do. Mm. Um, It's what has always been the key to success for most people who have been successful. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, we need to provide as many possible examples of how you can shine as possible. Mm. And the more you bring real world examples and real world tools and real world methods into the classroom um the the more likely you're going to have students who 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 are prepared to um to do real things mm-hmm. so again. and
1: and uh, you know it, you you mentioned classrooms it's also um part of what I love about being here is that you've offered it to uh communities in such mm-hmm. a way that uh you know, m- maybe we can re- rethink the way we envision our all of our personal journeys as mm-hmm. learners mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. as being um, not just the responsibility of schools mm-hmm. um, yeah, of course, but uh, that communities can come together to create spaces like this uh, yes. that? such that're we're, we're learning across our whole. Human, you know, uh, narrative. Absolutely,
0: you know? that's that, that's how I grew up. Uh, you know, in in the place that I grew up on Long Island, um, it, it felt very much to me, and and I believe it was real that there wasn't an adult in the community whose so their primary focus was uh, enabling young people to do the things they wanted to do, mm-hmm. and and there is absolutely no reason why a city like New York can't do exactly the same thing. Mm. And, um, it is absurd that, um, there cannot be zip code by zip code, um, a coordinated effort to, to create those possibilities for every young kid in the city.
1: I think that's an amazing place to end. (laughs) Um, Brian, I love being here for so many different reasons, but, um, thank you for, uh, giving me the better part of your afternoon, uh, between you and staff and students. Um, I, I love being here for a couple of reasons. One is that, um, you know, what you described about your camp experience early Mm -hmm. on. Uh, and it's, it's funny, Alan, when we spoke, um, Mentioned being in his his grandfather's uh, under his grandfather's wing mm-hmm. at a at a certain point, and mm-hmm. and for me, one of the things I love about being here is, um, I my grandpa Sam was a place where, uh, you know, you would go into this sort of dank corner of his basement mm-hmm. where his uh, workbench was, right. and um, it it was the. Smells and sights yeah. and sounds of possibility. It mm-hmm. was like,
0: yeah, exactly.
1: uh, he kept everything uh, in that space was was upcycled, right? So even the things he was keeping upcycled things in yeah, yeah. were upcycled <laughs> things, right? So he had all these baby jars full of you know old hardware that he right. might again use at some point to solve a problem. Sure, um, and and to me it was just being there to watch him, uh, you know. M- m- get into issues around his, around his home and uh, for his business was, was just such a rewarding thing. And so when I come here, what I love about this is that it's a, it's a a magnified version of that moment of sort of seeing the workbench and seeing the tools and wondering, Mm -hmm how some things work and knowing how others thing things work and, yep. and thinking about how I'm going to apply these things to new problems. Yep. Uh, so that's one reason. The mm-hmm. other reason is that you and Danny are heroes of mine in very real terms, uh, because I think, uh, you guys are working in real time on a problem that you really have no choice. There, there is not a roadmap for solving these issues mm-hmm. and, uh, you've chosen to make it a, a big part of your life's work, uh, to figure out, um, what it's going to look like Mm -hmm. and being okay with the idea that there's no, no, uh, one answer to some of these problems, but committing yourself to, uh, both of you to, uh, you know, being part of solution. So I am really grateful for the time and, uh, and, and for the interview, if people want to learn more about beam where should they go they can
0: go to beamcenter.org or beamcamp.org or you know they can just email me at brian at beamcenter.org I I answer all my emails
1: and (laughs) on social media where are you guys
0: Uh, uh, We're everywhere Uh, on Facebook you can just search beamcenter or uh, Instagram uh, at beamcenter terrific
1: brian thank you again
0: thanks Mark this podcast was
1: produced in partnership with City University of New York's Master's Program in Youth Studies Learn more at sps.cuny.edu. And Mouse, a national youth development nonprofit that believes in technology as a force for good. Find us at mouse.org. Sound assistance was provided by Alex Fleming. The tracks in this podcast were produced by Leroy Tindy, a guest in Episode Zero, and a young person who I once had the pleasure of working with. Find him on SoundCloud at Air Beats. The podcast is produced by me, Mark Lesser, a learner like you, and our show notes can be found linked
0: wherever you downloaded the show.